The Leap Foundation proudly presents the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman. Dr. Bill is a TV host, New York Times bestselling author, two-time Guinness World Book record holder, fitness guru, celebrity cosmetic dentist, and philanthropist who founded the Leap Foundation. Here's Dr. Bill. Hey, Dr. Bill here. So we have a live Meet the Mentor again after all of these years of COVID. My good friend, Dr. Sherry Arnold Graham, and I'll tell you a little bit about her in just a second. We're super excited for Leap 2023. Leap 2023 will be July 16th to the 22nd. We already have a soft confirmation from the legendary John Legend, his beautiful wife, Chrissy Teigen, and Shay Mitchell, who you probably know from Pretty Little Liars, but she's going to talk about her new booming business at Nordstrom's where she's developed a whole line of luxury travel wear and suitcases and all that kind of stuff. For those of you who don't know what Leap is, Leap is an entrepreneurship program for high school and college students where we teach leadership and mentorship and networking and all the things that we feel these young students need to be successful in life. We do a program every summer at UCLA where we get about 450 students attending. Leap is a nonprofit and we get lots of donations to help sponsor students. But if you're a parent watching this and you want to send your student who's 15 to 25 to Leap, I'm promising you it'll be probably one of the best things you've ever done for your child. It is a phenomenal experience. As a father, I can tell you that with three daughters, if I tell my daughters to do something, they listen, but they probably won't do it. Now, if 10 of their little friends tell them to do something, guess what happens, Sherry? It gets done, Dr. It gets Bill. done. And that's why LEAP works. We surround these students with a group of students to support them and help them grow. And it's just a phenomenal experience. You can go to our website, www.leapfoundation.com, see what our content is. You can see a lot of the past speakers we've had. I mean, this is amazing. Every time I ask one of my celebrity patients to come and speak, Speak, they say yes, and we don't pay them anything. Paula Abdul, Mark Wahlberg, Anthony Hopkins, Michael Strahan, Hannah Brown, Usher, Apollo Ono. I mean, our mayor, Eric Garcetti, Kathy Bates, Jason Alexander, Eva Longoria. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on and on. And they come and deliver such a strong message to these students that they love it. So, what we like to do in Meet the Mentor is introduce you to different mentors who have had different careers. And so I'm going to read a short little bio here. The Reverend Dr. Sherry Arnold Graham is the visionary founder and CEO of the Duminous Development Associates. She's a former pastor of the historic Oberlin Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina, where she began the at where she became the first female pastor of a mainline Baptist church in the history of, no of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, as a convention officer, she uses the culmination of her pastoral legacy, business acumen for corporate development, and her innate love for the executive servant leadership in missions and stewardship, stewardship 
to successfully serve over 1,700 Baptist churches in North Carolina. And it is with great pleasure that I introduce you to Sherry. Now, I'm going to tell you a backside. We actually met in my office. And when we connected in my office and I explained to her what I do with LEAP, she volunteered to help me find amazing students, which she did for LEAP 2022 and which she's going to continue to do for LEAP 2023. And she sent us 15 amazing students, and one of them was her son, who's right here watching us do this. So Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on Meet the Mentor. Thank you, Dr. Bill, and thank you for all you do. Thank you for your legacy. Thank you for your generous spirit. Thank you for opening the door for me to come alongside. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal opportunity. Well, we're excited to work with you. So I want to go back to the very beginning. How did you get involved in in your career as a pastor? I mean, what was the inspiration? And, you know, I mean, a lot of people believe but not that many take it to the next level. Mm, Good question. I I actually must say that I think I was born for this. My grandfather was a pastor, although he passed away long before I was born because he was a coal miner and passed away young. Uh, However, it's in my DNA. I felt called early in life to the ministry, but I ignored the call because I'm Baptist and women are often not allowed to preach, let alone even speak from the pulpit. So I have always felt a call to serve others, to help others, and I've honestly always realized that I felt I had some gift to help make things happen, Uh, but I didn't know what exactly to do with it. So I went to Emory. I was blessed to have a full academic scholarship to Emory University, uh, majored in management, class of 1984, and began to employ my gifts there, was hired by P&G. Short of it, I wasn't completely fulfilled, left P&G, went to work for legal aid, $20,000 pay cut in my 20s because I was searching for the right fit. What I realized later is I was really searching to fulfill my call to ministry. So I ultimately went to seminary uh, and continued down that path. But I felt I was born for it. And because my mom was a social worker, I had that example. My dad was a steel worker. And I like to say that they just help take care of people and build structures that last. But you broke barriers. I mean, when you entered this, you were like the first woman to really, you know, get in and and become a pastor in North Carolina, right? That's correct. But I didn't know that at the time. I had met a friend at Oxford. I'd studied there and she called me to say, sis, you made the front page news and national news. I didn't even know until the story broke um, by Yannette Shimron that uh, in the Raleigh News and Observer that I was the first female pastor of a mainline Baptist church in the history of Raleigh, North Carolina. I had no idea. I was simply doing ministry. I never, I'm not very good at taking notes about myself or checking the record of others. I just try to do my best and I like to excel. I try to walk in excellence and I was busy doing that. I did not know the facts behind the journey. Honestly, didn't. But that's only a small portion of your career. Yes. You also have quite an extensive business career. Let's talk about that for a minute. I do. I'm blessed um, 
I've had a wonderful career, and again, I thank God for Emory and my training there. My first job was with Procter & Gamble. I was a sales rep, had two state territory there, and um, then I worked for Legal Aid, as I mentioned, but ultimately, through life challenges and all, I needed to make more money, and uh, Legal Aid was more of a sacrificial time in my life, and when I needed to uh, be focused on building my life and my family, the Lord led me to Wall Street. So I, was, I actually went from legal aid to Wall Street, and I went into the investment arena as a 40-act paralegal, served there for seven years in the investment world, and um, got married, and we built a medical practice. So uh, I was busy building, and from there began to invest, and uh, I've, I've just had a blessed life of spending about 20 years in investments and um, in real estate. Wow. And how did, you, how did you get your doctorate degree? My doctorate is in uh, ministry as well at United Theological Seminary. So I did my master's in preaching. It's in homiletics, the arts and science of preaching, and my doctorate studies as well there. Didn't intend to get a doctorate. I felt called to do it, felt the Lord was leading me there because it would open doors for me. And I feel that that was a credential that I needed, particularly as a woman, because we're not always invited into the room or to the table uh, in ministry. And that opened doors, that other that doctoral degree opened doors that I think otherwise might not have been open to me based on gender bias. So it helped me to um, shatter a few ceilings, um, have a voice in the room, and then hopefully pave the way for other young men and women. What would you say to students who feel that they're being excluded from things based on gender or race or bias? How do you, how do you break those barriers gracefully? Because I know yes. that you would only do it gracefully. Literally, because I'm not a fighter. And I literally No, said, yes, you are. Well, I am. I'm a breast cancer survivor. That's It'll be right. 23 years next You are month. a fighter. You're right. But not a fighter in the context of fighting with people or being uh, adversarial or, you know, vindictive or anything like that. I've always known my worth. And so I would encourage students and others to always know your worth and also know that uh, you are not your circumstance. Whatever you're born into does not necessarily need to define you. If it's good and you accept and embrace that, great. But if it's not optimal, optimal, don't be hindered by that. Know your worth and, you know, set out to be your best and to do your best. And I believe, according to scripture, your gifts will make room for you. Just prove yourself. Continue to do the work. And I think if you operate in the excellence of your gift and the integrity of your heart, uh, things will work out for you Ultimately, even if you have to create your own spaces, which is a lot of what I needed to do, when the opportunity was not there, I created it. My mother used to say, if someone doesn't open the door, you know, buy the door. If you own the door, no one can shut it. Wow, that's so powerful. What you're saying right now is it, it, it's so enlightening for me to hear. You know, I see, I see these kids you know, here we are, we're in Beverly Hills. There's Beverly Hills High School right outside the window. And I see these kids that grow up with so much privilege, with so many things given to them, just turn out to be disasters, complete disasters. 
you know, and, and who, I mean, never excel, never achieve, never are even grateful for what they've been given. And then I meet other kids. There's a young man I'm thinking of in particular right now who at, at, at 18, his mother was put in prison for murder, drugs, gangs, murder, all that. So as an 18-year-old, he then raised his little brothers and sisters on his own. And he's not bitter. He's not, I mean, he literally just kind of took the bulls by the horn and said, this is what I need to do. And he has created such an amazing life for his family. And he wasn't given anything. Wow. He was all he was given was bad stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know you're right. You're not the circumstances you grow up. You are what you make your life. Literally, literally, and I think you know adversity uh, often uh, shapes us, and it it can be a refining fire, and that's my testimony as well. Um, when I was a student at Emory, I remember one time someone made the comment, well, Sherry's the poorest person in the room. And by Emory's standards and being in a student population of the wealthiest families in not only the country but often the world, it was true. And I'm from two working-class parents, but I didn't have all the things that most students had. I didn't have those resources, but I had the gift. And I used to say things like, but I'm smarter than you. Right, but... <laughs> Being poor is relative to what, right? Yes. I mean, you may not have had the money, but you were certainly rich in the love and the support and the family. Mm -hmm. So you may have actually been the richest person in the room. Dr. Bill, I couldn't have said it better because we had that conversation. I became an RA at Emory. And as a resident advisor, that came up because one of the students on our watch, Emory once had the highest suicide rate in the country. That's why we had wonderful Wednesdays. When I was there, there were no classes on Wednesdays. And someone who was very dear to me, several people, had attempted suicide. And it, 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 it pierced my soul because they were flying off on private jets. I remember going to the airport once, and they were going to catch their private jets. And I was in the back of the car. And, and and I said, I'm flying Delta, and they all froze. Like, how do you get to Delta? No one knew because they didn't fly commercial. And I realized at the end, after this one person's suicide attempt, um, because she said she had returned home, her parents weren't there, my dad got to the airport two hours early always to wait for me. My mother had always prepared my favorite meals when I was coming home. And I had so much love just waiting for me and praying for me that I realized I'm the rich one. I'm the rich one, and I was able to share that love with friends, and it helped me to understand that while many wealthy people are loving and have beautiful families, sometimes um, the loneliest person in the room and the poorest person in the room, maybe the person who's uh, poor in spirit, lacks the things that really allow you to have a good life and be at peace with yourself and your soul. Totally. So tell me what you're doing in your life now. I know you've had a lot of big changes. You're now in Atlanta again. Yes, yes. Tell yes. me what's going on in your life. 
I'm in Atlanta and North Carolina. I'm uh, building dunamis uh, development there as a management consultant, but I still serve as the executive secretary treasurer of the Women's Baptist Home and Foreign Missionary Convention in North Carolina. So I'm still in missions. I still resource churches and pastors, but I'm a management consultant, and I'm praying for more opportunities to do that. Um, I'm 59 now, and I'm glad about it. I feel I have enough expertise to not only continue to do my work, but to pour into others. And the Lord has really placed in my heart that my latter days are going to be greater than my former days. So I believe I'm entering a new chapter of my life at 59, and I'm excited. So I'm serving and I'm teaching, but I'm I'm, I'm beginning a new chapter to finish strong, and I really think the best is yet to come. I really That's amazing. That. That's amazing. And I'm working with you. And you are. And, and we're going to get Elite a lot team. of amazing kids again this yes, year. I'm excited. Um, so, it, it, you know, if there was something that you could give as, as a word of advice to young students who may be interested in, in entering you know, the ministry or being a pastor, what would you advise them to do at this point in their lives? I would advise them to pray and seek the Lord because it is a calling uh, that comes from God. I think that um, my dad used to say some were sent and some just went. I think it's important to be spirit-led and follow your heart uh, seek counsel, wise counsel, uh, a pastor, a rabbi, an imam, whatever your faith tradition is. Seek the wisdom of the elders and uh, certainly do a lot of self-reflection. Pray and identify the reason you feel called and seek confirmation in that. And begin serving if you're not already serving. But ministry is a sacrificial life, so don't seek in my humble opinion, don't seek the fame or the fortune or the position. Seek to be great as a conduit of God. Serve others with gladness and serve with a goal of making God look good. And I think everything else, according to Scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. All things will be added I love that. to you. But prioritize the Lord's work and others. I love that. And if students want to contact you, get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? You can email me at sherryarnoldgram at gmail.com. That's S-H-E-R-R-I-A-R-N-O-L-D-G-R-A-H-A-M at gmail.com. I don't know how much other information. Are you on any other social things? You know, I'm not like I should be, but I'm about to be. You know, I'm I'm very dormant in that regard. I I actually say I specialize in promoting others. I do. I I really have just shied away from anything that seemed like self-promotion because I didn't want to be one of those preachers that did that. So I'm... I've kind of missed the mark in that, but you're helping me. I'm going to prepare to be more accessible through social media. I well, have you some, got your social media guy right there. <laughs> so have him set yes. you up on Instagram and yes. just start documenting all of these wonderful things you're doing. And that will do be it. a really easy way for kids to reach you too. I mean, they know how to email, so they yes, can email. Yes. And we'll put that in our notes. Thank but you. if they could just click on Instagram 
they'll, I need to do that. They'll DM you. That means direct message. I know. You'll get DM'd. And I need to do that because, you know, I've been a salon and spa owner. My enterprises have social media contacts, but I have not personally made myself available. But I'm going to do it, and I'd love to get that information All right. I'm going to hold you accountable. So Please you do. need to get that to me. You are my accountability partner All and right. mentor, and thank you for that. Well, I thank you for our partnership and everything that you bring to LEAP is really beautiful. So thank you. To God be the glory. Thank you. The best is yet to come. Have a happy holiday. Have a healthy new year. And Dr. Bill, over and out. Listen to the Meet the Mentor podcast with Dr. Bill Dorfman on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.